0: Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host,
1: Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. This is episode 198 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books, and today I am just, I am just delighted. To bring you a one-of-a-kind, unique author to the show, in teenaged author sensation Shanti Hershenson. Uh, yes, Shanti is a is just as the name says a teenaged author. She is a fourteen-year-old author who is about to release her eighth book, and as remarkable as that sounds, this is her eighth book in almost two years of writing. And publishing. So she—that <laughs> that is a feat that I am just blown away by. She is a remarkable young lady that you are going to just adore in this conversation that we have. We are talking about all of her books and her process, the frenetic ways that she puts these stories together and how these characters come to life. It is such a fun conversation and you are going to be I guarantee you're going to be grinning ear to ear just like I was listening to her go on about these stories and how much they obviously mean to her. And I invite you to make sure that uh, when this is over with, make sure you go in and click the links for her website and to check her out on Amazon, uh, Goodreads, everywhere else that she is. Follow this young lady. She's going to be a big name one day and uh, you want to pick up some of these books and one of the things that's really cool, too, is, you know, that eighth book is coming out actually tomorrow. So this episode drops on November 30th. It's Tuesday, November 30th that you're hearing this. And tomorrow, Wednesday, December 1st, is when the next book comes out. So you're going to be hearing a sample from book one of the the Chronicles of Zyle Delane. And book three of that series is what comes out tomorrow. So... You got time. You can go in there and grab these other books and then pick up the third one tomorrow when it comes out. Uh, you know, all of her books just sound amazing. They sound incredible, and uh, you really got to check it all out. So, uh, it's it's a fun conversation and uh, one I can't wait to get us over to. That's coming up here in just a few moments. Well, I am uh, doing well. Uh, wrapping up NaNoWriMo. Uh, didn't complete my story. Did not complete Bandit 2. But, uh, man, I sure did put a big dent in it. Uh, Today alone, I sat down and did about... uh, Well, currently, I'm at about 2,500 words for the day, which is a really good day for me. Um, And uh, I'm probably going to do some more writing later on tonight. And, of course, as I'm recording this, it's still Monday for me. uh, So I've still got another day to put on here. So we'll see. Um, I don't know if I'm going to close in on... How close I'll get to twenty thousand words before uh, the end of NaNoWriMo, but we'll see. You know, I'm needless to say, I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to finish. Uh, a- actually, my goal is to finish Bandit Two this year. The at least the first draft, and then I'm going to start working on the edits right away and uh, go from there. And uh, yeah, the the plan is to have Bandit Two coming out this spring. I'm getting ready to reach out to the uh, cover designer and uh, give him my ideas for what this is going to look like and uh, i did actually make a little bit of a change originally uh, the book setting was going to be taking place uh post christmas closer to new uh um, like valentine's but you know there's just too much fun stuff around christmas and i decided you know what i didn't really say when in the fall book one takes place i never did state a, a time um So now uh, book two is taking place around Christmas time, and it's kind of opened up a whole new world for me uh, of possibilities, and of course, you know, Christmas jokes and such, and uh, we got, you know, aliens in there who don't know Christmas, so that's a lot of fun, and uh, (laughs) I uh, I actually made a horrendous discovery the other night. I was laying in bed with my wife, and we're watching, uh, actually Christmas Vacation came on. And it just, it hit me like a bucket of ice water uh, as I'm laying there. I suddenly realized, like, oh my gosh, when did this come out? Well, that's an important thing, because since my story takes place in history, and now, you know, I'm writing like an alternate history, essentially. So the the attack of the Zolur Nation, uh, their armada on Earth, was in the fall of 1989. Unfortunately, that means anything that came out after that, which includes Christmas Vacation, which came out December 1st, 1989, that does not exist in this world. And I am totally crushed. I am destroyed. I don't know what to do with my life now to imagine no world without, you know, Chevy Chase falling off the house, trying to put those Christmas lights up. You know, why is the floor all wet? I don't know, Margot. I mean, oh my gosh, so many one-liners are now just lost for my, uh, <laughs> for my use. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. I was thinking it was in 88 that it came out, but I was wrong. Um, fortunately, I do have Scrooged, which did come out in 88. I still have Christmas Story with little Ralphie and his Red Ryder BB gun. And you know, countless other wonderful Christmas movies, and uh, Die Hard, of course, the, the big one. Um, I have all of those movies that I can rely on for some great Christmas fodder uh, throughout this uh, this story time, uh, Christmas story time telling of Bandit Two. But you know, the writer's life. What can I say? <laughs> anyway, as I get closer to this one being done, of course, I will make sure to let you all know, and. Uh, I'll tell you when this is available. Who knows if I can if I can do what I want to do, if I can get this first draft done and I get the cover art back in time. Maybe I'll even have the pre-order set before the end of this year. Wouldn't that be exciting? Man, yeah, that's a, that's a big ask right there. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. Well, hey. Anyway, uh, let's start off by uh, thanking our sponsors. Uh, number one in our hearts and in our minds, Scribner. The Number one writing app <clears throat> available to authors everywhere. I do all of my writing, including the Bandit series. there in Scrivener and I absolutely love it. I've already been moving things around with ease because of what uh, Scrivener's capabilities are. So check out this advertisement and learn how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application, and with tools like automatic backup, character maps, Project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard. You can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for sample chapter podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, thank you once again to Scrivener. Uh, I also want to thank Writer's Block Coffee for being an affiliate of the show. And uh, the affiliate status means if you go in there and you make an order using our coupon code, which is Sample Chapter, by the way. Not only do you save 10%, but I get a little piece from the company. Um, I get a little bit that goes towards helping the costs of the show. So hop on in there and order yourself some coffee. Uh, They have three incredible flavors. The Writer's Block Coffee which is their signature blend. The Deadline Dark, which is sure to wake you at any hour of the day. <laughs> and then my personal favorite, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Coffee. You can order your coffee one at a time or set up auto-ship so that you never run out. Uh, once again, that, uh, <clears throat> that link is in the show notes and use the coupon code Sample Chapter so that you can save 10% on your order. Uh, finally, I want to thank Pop Goes to Culture Network, home to about half a dozen other shows, all of them incredible and all of them pop culture related. Whether you are looking for uh, movie or gaming news, it's all there on uh, on any one of those shows. They're going to be discussing um, all the pop culture stuff that you want, uh, from one you know two days review to Multiverse Tonight to even the alamo draft house doing a a special like behind the scenes things and talking about upcoming shows lots of great shows on the network so hop on over and uh, click that link in the show notes for more all right well without further ado how about we get on over to our interview for episode 198 with teenage author shanti hershenson Hello sample chapter listeners. I'm so excited. Uh, my guest today is Shanti Hershinson. Shanti's first two novellas were published when she was in the sixth grade. Although writing her writing journey started long before then. Ever since she could hold a pencil, marker, or crayon, she was creating stories. They started from pictures, mere scribbles really, and eventually turned into captivating tales. She advocates for anti-bullying, and you might hear her at open mic nights performing her spoken word poem, Needles and Thorns, which is about the struggles of bullying in middle school. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Shanti Hershenson. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. This is very special. You are my, my youngest guest today. And let me, uh, let's make sure that everybody understands this too. So you are 14. Is that right?
2: Yeah. I just turned 14.
1: You just turned 14. Oh my goodness. And you have a wealth of books behind you. Congratulations.
2: Thank
0: you.
1: (laughs) All right. So let's just start there. How, when did your first one come out?
0: It's kind of complicated. So I wrote two novellas. They're kind of short stories, children's books. I don't know what to call them uh, <laughs> with my friend in sixth grade. And I went ahead and published those about March, 2020. Mm-hmm. And there were two of them. I don't like counting those. It's weird. Cause like sometimes I'll count them. Sometimes I'll not because the writing is so outdated and they're just written in this way. that could be kind of a series of like short stories and novellas in this larger world. i never ended up continuing them. And I, like a couple months later, in the middle of the pandemic, when I was kind of um, just silently, I started writing uh, my debut novel. And I really count that as when I started like seriously writing books. And that debut novel was only supposed to be about a 20,000 word novella. And it turned out to be a 250,000 word, 800 page novel. that I had to have <laughs> Oh,
2: <here. laughs> my gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that was split into three books because it was far too long to publish. And I ended up actually writing the fourth book in that series a few months ago. But in that time, I also started writing the Zyle la novellas. And these are their books coming out um, December 1st. And they're this super kind of fast paced kind of horror, but like also a lot of paranormal and like fantasy elements to it. And they're this series of novellas. So all like in the middle of the pandemic, all that kind of stuff was going on like all at once.
1: Oh my goodness. I would say so. I'm I'm looking at your, your Amazon page and it's just like every month you have something coming out throughout 2020 and 2021. You have been a very busy young lady.
0: Yeah. I try to release books every other month, except, um, it's kind of working. The third Zion book was originally going to come out sometime in November. I just couldn't, um, get that to happen because there's a lot of stuff that needs to go into publishing a book, mm-hmm. but, um, so I guess November was kind of a gap month. I was gonna say it was like November was the weird month where I kind of had to. It's like I had the um a new novel, The Accidental Insurgent, come out on October 31st. And I have one kind of coming out now on December 1st. So yeah, November's yeah.
1: been a weird month. Yeah, just kind of skirting November there, just right around yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a deal with myself that I would write a book last year, and I got it out uh, New Year's Eve. Oh, so
2: wow!
1: It still counts. <laughs> it still <laughs> counts for twenty twenty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your your background. I mean, have you always been a writer? Have you always been looking to do this?
0: I would say yes. I have um, I have recently came across a bunch of these old things I've written a lot of them are like picture books and children's books that I was um, last night talking about um, rewriting and publishing and I wrote these I used to kind of take paper and I the oldest one I have is from four, first grade and during free choice I took a bunch of paper and I bound it all together and wrote this little like chapter book and I remember it was called the cat and the love because those were the only words I could spell at
2: the time <laughs>
0: and I rewrote that one several times over like the that yeah, probably from first to third grade and I found a bunch of other stories too that I wrote so I guess I feel like I've always been a writer but I've also haven't been as serious about it until um like a year ago because I used to want to be a million different things I know author was one of them but it was also like okay if I have time I'll do this when I'm older and uh, that did not go to plan so
1: (laughs) that was what I always said was I'll do that when I'm older and then when I found out I was going to be a grandpa that's when I thought oh my goodness I better start writing right now (laughs) (laughs) so you you beat me there by probably 40 years so (laughs) so all right so your first books then uh, looking on here, you've got the the Odyssey, and those are the n- novellas, is that right?
0: Yeah, those books are so bad in so many different ways. <laughs> <laughs> like, if Star Wars had cats in a fantasy setting, oh. and they're, like, super pretty short, I don't like how short they are, I would have probably made them longer, and so much of it is just explaining the characters. It was written, it was written in this really weird format that, like, combined, like, lore and poems, I wrote two of them in sixth grade. I was going to write a third one, and then I just started writing *Biome instead. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to write any more of those books, unless <laughs> I might rewrite them at some point.
1: There you go. There you go. It kind of reminds me when I first saw them. I, I was reminded of my kids used to read *Warriors*. <laughs> uh, a long time ago, <clears throat> are you familiar with the Warrior books with cats? I
0: used to love those. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I think it was Aaron Hunter. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So my yeah my kids were really big fans of that, and they'd watch the videos online that people would make and, and all that. So yeah, and I I got to tell them about this because I'm sure they'd be interested.
0: <clears throat> I feel like that book. I'm trying to think the improvement in my writing from like Odyssey, which definitely has a lot of Warrior Cats elements to now is so insane that like i've like shown different people the books and they don't even think it's the same writer it's really <laughs>
1: mm. that's interesting yeah it, just from about a year there from the second odyssey book until uh bio uh biomlock came out um and, and yeah you said that uh, that was uh, quite the the difference in your writing in just that year's time what do you think uh, brought that that change
0: just so originally, BiomLock, like the first draft was so poorly written. It was like Odyssey level poorly written.
2: <laughs> it was
0: so bad. I still have the original Google Doc, and I just I want to cry <laughs> looking at it. I can't believe I wrote it. And I just I kept writing. And eventually, from I I wrote a thousand words, two thousand words every single day. And from that, after probably about a few months of writing. I started to notice what was really bad about my writing and what like I didn't like in Odyssey. And then I kind of changed it. And I figured out kind of what other authors do too and what what makes their writing like super good. And I started to kind of apply those to my own writing. And eventually Biomlock had an overwriting problem where there was too much detail, too much like dialogue tags. And there's still a bit of that problem in the finished um, first book, mm-hmm. but it's also improved so much that i think just keep right like I kind of kept writing and then i went back later and did another draft of the book and another one i probably rewrote it like two times before i was uh, satisfied with it
1: oh okay well that's fantastic so are you doing the editing and the rewriting yourself or do you have anybody that looks at it
0: i have um Sometimes my parents look at it. And I have a writing coach who um, looks at all my novels and makes sure that they're like there's no story inconsistencies and the grammar's all good. Because mm-hmm. there have been some pretty funny grammatical errors that I've just been so tired while writing that I've missed. <laughs> now just look back at it and just start <laughs> laughing. So. Hard.
1: Well, you're not alone there. I that's my first book when it came out. I did the same thing and I, I ran it through like Grammarly, and I there were so many errors. I just said ah oh, fix all. And then that's what I published. And oh my goodness, Grammarly will make some wild changes mm-hmm. to your. Grammarly, uh, I journey. have to
0: plug in. It's like, I use it sometimes. It's like, it's weird because for me, Grammarly sometimes won't appear on my browser. And I'll have these <laughs> like, just the spaces where the writing, there's like, it'll kind of work again. And there'll be so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I I love the feedback. Now I, I've gotten to where I, I really love the feedback I get from my my beta readers and uh, and the people who read ahead of time. Uh, how about you? Do you find any of it um, annoying or like no, you just don't get it?
0: I have um, tried having beta readers. Generally, my biggest um, worry with it is that they don't like turn it in time because I don't know. I'm really like chaotic about like when I want the book published, and then like if the beta readers um, take too long to turn it in, it's usually kind of a worry so I got to plan months in advance but generally I've let's say, I've done beta reading work for two different people mm-hmm. and it's fun on the beta reader's end I don't know about the author but it's <laughs> probably a yeah I think I should start doing more
1: <laughs> it you know I tell you and it, it's a difficult thing on the author side to give plenty of time my, my most recent book I told everybody they would have over a month and unfortunately I gave them about three weeks so i was like oh i'm sorry everyone but still i got some great feedback and it worked out really well yeah all right well so and then you were talking about biome lock uh, Biom-Lock. uh it, tell us about biome lock
0: so biome is a dystopian science fiction novel that takes place about 30 years after an alien invasion mm. and the aliens are called desorb the and they're pretty much humans except they're stronger they have um, sharper teeth and if you look them in the eye you'll get sick and you might die um the by, they um pretty much completely mess up the world but they create these biomes and there's like the desert biome the dark forest the grasslands the mountains and as soon as the humans thir- turn thir- 13 they're assigned to one of these biomes and they can't leave and they're pretty much sent there to die and biome lock follows a bunch of main characters who um come from two different biomes and there's they're kind of like groups and they all kind of join together and want to overthrow the biomes. Only way to do that is to get to a certain biome. And it kind of follows, the the three books follow their adventures and mainly the main character Griffin and um, his friend Kira. And it kind of follows both their struggles with the biomes and the aliens and also their struggles with sickness and like their mental health kind of, and um, past secrets, because these characters have a lot of them. And it's all these different components creating this one really long story.
1: Oh my goodness. I, you're, you're just blowing my mind. I, I remember being 14 and I'm still just focused on, I don't know, maybe picking out what what kind of bait I'm going to use to catch fish on uh, or, or, you know, what kind of game do I want to play today? I, I could not put together a story idea and, and stick to it aside from maybe a, just some little adventure about my friends and I. But, uh, oh, my gosh, this is amazing work. Thank you. <laughs> so f- from there, you moved on. I know uh, one of the books here that I it looks like is very special to you uh, and has a, a lot of meaning to you is You Won't Know Her Name. Tell us mm-hmm. about this.
0: So You Won't Know Her Name, I wrote in the summer between seventh and eighth grade, but I've been thinking about writing that since sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, that book follows a character called The Girl, because none of the characters have any names, hence the title. Um... And it follows this girl's struggles with bullying and um, a new school and all of this extremely horrifying stuff, which um, I think people are starting to figure out is very much an autobiographical novel. It's written entirely in these poems that seem like they could be written like from like an 11 year old because the girl's 11 and then she turns 12 about halfway through the story. Mm. And that book is... It's kind of, I think it's done the best out of all of my books. It has, Um. well, You Own her, her Name and Zyla are kind of tied for like the best reviews.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's this one that I had been thinking about writing for about a year before I actually sat down and just forced myself to do it. So it was by far the hardest book I've ever written. And I feel like every day I woke up telling myself, I shouldn't write this book. Nothing good is going to come out of writing this. Um, and every day I just told myself, don't do it. And, uh, I finished it. (laughs) I kind of forced myself to do it. And I finished writing that book in about 10 days. I published it a few weeks after like editing it, I think a week or two. And I originally did the cover myself. And then actually a few days ago, I got the new cover and it just like all coming together for that one.
1: Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. It seems like anytime... Anytime authors write something that's very personal like that, those are always the hardest,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but they're also the most valuable, I think. Yeah. So is and, that, um, that's been your experience as well?
0: Yeah. It's my favorite. I think I'm getting a new um, hardcover for it. I haven't, I've only gotten one hardcover so far too. And I'm getting a new hardcover for that one. Oh, nice. And I don't remember when it's coming. It might be coming in the next few days. I'm not sure. <laughs> and like that one I definitely hold the closest to me I'm always the most defensive about that book though I've gotten genuinely I don't think I've ever gotten really a criticism about it which is weird but <laughs> it's like I promote that one the most too I think I talk about that one the most compared to some of my other books except for maybe like The Axial Insurgent I have talked about a lot mm-hmm. and um by Unlock but like You Want Her Name is the one that like I feel like whenever I think of my books I think of that one so it's definitely like just
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and that's awesome all right so tell us about uh, you were just talking about it tell us about mm-hmm. Accidental Insurgent
0: so the Accidental Insurgent is another one of the novels I wrote in the summer between seventh and eighth grade ah. it is this dystopian novel that I think probably, I think it's like two days after um, seventh grade ended. And the one I was working on, I only had a few thousand words in it. And I just did not like that story. I don't remember what it was about, but it was genuinely like not a good one. I just wasn't feeling it. So I sat down, I was like, okay, I'm going to write a new book. And I just started writing this kind of world based on not really my personal experiences, but just kind of how I feel like I've like, scene like school be in the sense that um the main character Allie is like to school and she's gonna die mm. and it's it takes place in this dystopian society that's like bound by rules there are so many of them <laughs> i can't even keep track of it and it's not clear exactly what happened there's speculation about what happened to, to the society but no one was alive long enough to know and it's like there's nothing beyond that there are mountains and then no one bothers to really know what's beyond that. And for uh, the main character, ally she's just struggling to stay alive. And um, one of the most interesting kind of plot points of this is that um, once they graduate from the endmost school, which is pretty much high school for them, just it's the end. Mm-hmm. Um they have to essentially do something incredible. And if they don't do something incredible, they're gonna be killed at 20. And that sounds like a pretty classic dystopian plot, except for the Axel Insurgent, that's not the main focus of it because Allie might not even graduate and she might not even get that far where she's in that position. And it's kind of um, Allie and her best friend Finn struggling to stay stay alive through all of these challenges and plot twists. And it's a really fun book. Mm -hmm. I um, could not stop writing it. I, let me think, I was writing about 4,000 to 5,000 words per day on that book. Oh my I goodness. finished the first draft in 16 days. It's a pretty long book. It's 350 pages. And I just, I couldn't stop. I edited it in like about a week
2: mm-hmm.
1: and
0: then it laid dormant until I could figure out exactly what I wanted to kind of fix in it.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, something that's amazing me is, is realizing how many of these books are standalones, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh Accidental Insurgent, the uh the Biome Lock. Of course, you got the you won't know her name is a completely different one.
2: Yeah.
1: And when I was first looking at it, I actually I thought Biome Lock and Accidental Insurgent were like in the same world. Um, uh, maybe mm-hmm. one of them was a sequel, but no, these are actually different books, different stories, different yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. And they're all away. different
0: universes. Yeah. Uh- Biome Walk has three more books I've written in a series that I just haven't, like, published yet. I'm hoping Biome Blackout, which is the second book, will be out in early 2021. And then there are two more books, Biome's End and Biome's Resurrect. Biome's Resurrect is kind of like a, not really a spin-off, but like a completely different, like, sequel series. Mm-hmm. And I think Biome's End is going to come out probably mid-2022. That book is significantly longer than the other two, and it's, in a sense that it's about double, it's pretty much I think it's like a hundred thousand words at this point. And that one is going to take a lot of work, but it's also my favorite in the series.
1: Oh my goodness. So do you I mean how how do you keep this straight? You have all these different stories going all the time. Do you sit down and just work on one each day or do you do you have any trouble moving from story to story or bouncing around?
0: I have a very chaotic writing process. So for <laughs> lock, I wrote all three books in one book, then um, realized I needed to split them. Um, so like once I had finished Zio, not Zio, lock, and it was originally just the editing process, I quickly kind of went on and wrote the, all three Zyle books at once, not like just stopped. And I was like, I stopped for a day. and was like, okay, I'm gonna do the next one. And those were all done in the span of about three months. After that, what did I do after that? I think then it was The Accidental Insurgent, and what I start doing now is I'll write when it's longer, not exactly a series of novellas, when it's a full novel that's in like a duology or a trilogy, because I have one right now called The God's Right Hand, and it's a dystopian novel that I wrote um, kind of over the summer and the beginning of the school year. That one, I um, like. I have a bunch of ideas for the sequel, so the book I'm working on right now, which is a novel um, kind of prequel to the Zyla Delane series, once I'm done with that, I'm going to let um, the book I'm working on right now, like the draft just be kind of dormant while I think about what I want to change for it, go on, I'm going to edit the first um, book in the God's Right Hand series, then write the second one. <laughs> then I'm going to go back to the Kingston origin, which is the book I'm working on right now, and probably edit that. And after that, like either I'm going to write a sequel to um, another Zile book, because there's possibility to that, write another Biomlock book, or I'm going to write a completely different new series or standalone.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So how do you, how do you keep this straight? Then are you using writing software or do you have just like notebooks full of notes or, uh, how do you do that?
0: A bunch of different ways I do that. I generally keep, um, like my release, um, order either. I have a thing on my website that's actually outdated now, or I'll keep it, um, in a Google doc, but I use, um, the writing soft, not software, just a website called read and that helps me kind of keep all my, um, serious like works in one place. Mm-hmm. Although over, I have a bunch of um, books that i never finished or like started writing during the bio lock era and, um, decided I cannot write two books at once.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'll, I'll use, I use Scrivener and that's helping me to, I I, for the first draft I'll just go through and just write as much as I can and then I I'm able to go in and separate and go oh wait this is this is part of chapter one I got to move that over and such but uh it's always interesting to hear you know somebody else's process and how they're how they're doing that and to think that you're sitting down and punching out essentially three novels at a time is just blowing my mind oh my gosh
0: it's like Pretty crazy for me too. I um like, I like can't stop writing. I don't know, and yeah, every time I just um, finish a novel, I just go on and keep working on something else, and that kind of clears my mind to be able to go back and kind of edit and add things and change things and write a whole new sequel to that because. All of my books, except for You Won't Know Her Name, are open ended to have a sequel. Uh, the Accidental Insurgent, that one is slowly becoming more of a possibility if I can think of a good plot, because that book has an ending that could very well lead to um, more books. Xyle, mm. um, as a, even though the third Xyle book ends, there is still opportunity for a whole new sequel series. Uh, biome lock is still ongoing now because <laughs> of um i rebooted it with biome lock four and oh. because of that i need to do five and six
1: uh-huh interesting and then you
0: want all- her name's the only book that won't get a sequel
1: okay all right well, we've danced around it a little bit. Uh, that the book we're hearing from today is part of that series of uh, the <clears throat> the Chronicles of Delane, Book One: The Nightmare of Delane. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this series and uh, the first book.
0: So Zaldelaine was written. I've already said this, but it was written during BioLock at this point. And it was this book that was um, like inspired by multiple different things. One of them I can think of is like these like weird images of places that seem very familiar, but also like creepily familiar and comforting, but also kind of scary. It's like nostalgic and kind of sad too, is like the feeling of it. And I started writing Xyle as this kind of weird, kind of twisted horror story. And I guess in a way it really is. Um, the problem with that book, was that as I was writing it, I didn't have an explanation for so many of the events that were going on. Like, why is his imaginary friend talking to him? What's going on? Where does this all make sense? And I was stuck on that plot, like, loop, for days. And I was just, I kept writing, but I couldn't figure out a good explanation for it. And um, not to spoil the book, but I figured it out. And it has this new fantasy element to it, and this magic system, kind of. And I was able to continue that while still keeping the same kind of nostalgic but sad vibe throughout the series with um without spoiling what happens with this boy who wants to return home i won't say why mm. but <laughs> it's kind of and the stories are short too they're about 100 pages they'd be more if the text size wasn't so small but <laughs> alas it is and um, They always abruptly end every book, except for the third one somewhat, will end on this giant cliffhanger that will kind of, even if the reader doesn't really like the book, there will still be kind of, even if they just liked it a little, they'll want to read the next book because it ends like when most of the events are tied and then all of a sudden something will happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that goes on for the first two books are like that third one. No, it's not really. It's a little more tied just so I could take a break <laughs> and not immediately have to fill the cliffhanger. Yeah. Because uh, More often than not, I don't even know what's going to happen next. Often I'll have planned like a little, but I do um, just straight up write and see where it goes most often.
1: Oh my gosh. So you're not planning any of these. You're just, you're just jumping in and seeing where it goes.
0: Yeah, I have some like in my notes apps, both on my phone, computer and Google Docs. It's very chaotic (laughs) in that way. I will write down little ideas of what I want to happen whenever I think of something. But often like there are just large gaps in the books where I don't know what's going to happen. And then it'll kind of twist what happens that I've already written down because suddenly I can't do that anymore. And suddenly I'll need to change the setting of that scene I had in mind or I'll need to change something about it except thankfully for the book I'm writing right now, because um most of that book is actually revealed in the third Zile book because it's a villain origin story. So most of the villain, Silly Kingston, his like story is like mentioned um, in that book, but there's so much of it that isn't
2: that mm-hmm. it's
0: really interesting. And in that book, I plotted out the whole story finally, except oh. for the very, very end. I still got to figure out how that stuff's going <laughs> to go out
1: love it oh my goodness I love the 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 tension there and how that's building up that sounds amazing
2: yeah
1: (laughs) so now whenever it comes to your characters how you have so much going on how do you keep your characters from sounding like each other from one book to another
0: so often I sometimes use character sheets it's like depending on the book the characters will be written differently like for the axial insurgent it really feels like okay, there's this one character, her name is Allie, and she's telling us this story. And then she talks about Finch. And those characters are both like, they have these very deep backstories that are not gone into, but they're like mentioned. So you know, oh my gosh, they have this backstory, you'll know what happens in the story will be told. But it's also because everything's moving along so much. It's like, you're going to mainly know these characters from like, their actions and what they do externally, except for Valley whose internal dialogue is visible through all the stuff. <laughs> um, Biomlock is another one where the characters are very much, they're, they act in um, ways that the characters of their ages, because the characters of Biomlock are all 13, um, 14, 15, 16, and there are some adults, and they all act the way like adults were, which is I've had, uh, I've been told the Biomlock characters, especially the kids, are kind of annoying, like, and <laughs> 13-year-olds are very annoying. And also, they they are very likable. They have a lot of aspects to them that, in a futuristic society, they would kind of have, and just be kind of really developed as these kids that are both normal kids, but also very much not normal kids with all their own personal problems and secrets. Xyle, uh, those characters are Xyle um, Delane, who's uh, um, one of the main characters slash antagonists. It's on. It's undecided. I mean, not undecided. It's like <laughs> uncertain. Um, is this character that kind of embodies this little girl and but at the same time she's almost like an adult. Um, and then Silly Kingston, who is the villain, is the most confusing character I've ever written because of his backstory and kind of his actions in the book. And that's been just it's been amazing. It's also been incredibly difficult. It's weird writing in the perspective of a villain. <laughs> Um, and then you want her name, all the characters are based off of real people, but they're more personalities kind of. So that one's a little um, like easier to write character wise, not plot wise.
1: Oh, my goodness. That is that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. you are doing incredible work. Oh, my gosh. I'm just I'm blown away at, at what you have accomplished in just uh, like a year and a half, uh, almost two years and uh and you're just you show no signs of stopping. So this is <laughs> this is really amazing. Well thank you. Shanti, where can uh, where can people find and follow you?
0: Um so people can find me on my website, which is shantihershinson.com, S-H-A-N-T-I-H-E-R-S-H-E-N-S-O-N.com. dot com. Um you can find me on Instagram at shantihershenson and I actually am starting to use TikTok a lot more for my marketing. That's been something that's been super helpful. And my TikTok is Shanti Who Writes. I've actually gained a lot of followers on there recently. And it's been something that I never expected would actually help me.
1: Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I will make sure to have links for all of this in the show notes, everyone, so that you know where to go. Uh, don't forget, everyone... We're going to be hearing today from The Nightmare of Zaldelein, which is the first book of the series. And book three is coming out in just a couple of days. The day after this episode drops is what the plan is anyway. Hopefully this is what works out. Uh, what's the what is the name of book three?
0: Uh, the Ruination of Delane.
1: The Ruination of Delane. All right. <sighs> My gosh. Shanti, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. This has been <laughs> a real delight for me. <laughs> You are so full of energy and just livening up my day, and I know I know everybody listening is going to be just smiling right along, just like I've been doing this whole time.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my ice water, and uh, we're going to listen to Shanti Hershinson reading a sample chapter from *The Nightmare of Zale Delane*.
0: All right, and this is the prologue. So it was atypical for a ghost like Zale to ever leave the Delane Manor. However, during an evening of 2009, where the setting of sun spilled into her eyes, she did just that. When I saw her in the flesh, and not from the furthest window of what we all thought was an abandoned manor, I assumed she was no more than a ghost. It wasn't my fault that I thought that, as we all had, ever since we first saw her two years ago, back in 2007. She never seemed to age, and still looked to be about 10, which now didn't seem so old. I was 10 too. When it became apparent that she was not spirit, we all thought she had come to kick us out of what was presumably the property of her parents. Well, we'll leave here, I stuttered nervously, raising my bald fist in defense, while well, she gave me, of all the kids out on the extensive yet plain yard, a subjective look. I know, we aren't supposed to play here. We'll go back to our street, I promise. She still seemed to not care about us trespassing and hadn't even spoken herself yet. She kept looking back, staring at a dark bird perched on the nearest tree, It stared down upon us like a judgmental figure. Her clothes reminded me of the bird, so dark and cold, but pristine like soft feathers. The girl, Zyle, whose name we all knew somehow, by exchanging stories and gossiping, spoke next. And for once, in all the ten years I had lived, I was frightened. Go home before it's too late. She ordered in a raspy voice like that of an adult, stepping closer to me with eyes that were so dark they had to be inhuman. We obeyed, knowing no other thing to do, but I was sure of one thing whether Xyle was a ghost or a little girl, something wasn't right.
1: All right, that was Shanti Hershinson reading a sample chapter of the prologue from Nightmare of Xyle Delane, that is book one of the Chronicles of Xyle Delane. Uh, Book three comes out tomorrow, so make sure you click that link in the show notes for Shanti's website and uh, her Amazon page, the Goodreads page, everywhere that you can find her. It's all available down there. Don't forget to also click the links for our podcast friends and sponsors alike. And hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next week when I'm back with a very special guest for episode 199. Until then, take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.